they're investing dollars on getting Colgate toothbrushes in kindergartens, you know yep. what I mean? From when kids are super young. Yeah. So they already grow up with knowing the Colgate brand. So by the yeah. time that they're, you know, much later on in life, Colgate is just like associated going back to connections with toothbrush. Welcome to Market A, Mark Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> Start over. Welcome to Marketers Talking Marketing, the podcast with the best SEO title that there is around. Today we have Silvio on. Silvio is founder of Ad Conversion and head of product innovation for Metadata. Silvio, tell the audience a little bit about you. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me, Jess. I'm super excited to be here. A little bit about me. I am from Miami, Florida. I am a Hispanic, I'm Cuban, Puerto Rican, and uh, I, I work full-time right now at Metadata, and then I run Ad Conversion, which is essentially like a, a hub for B2B advertising training and content, have a YouTube channel. So really, when it's all said and done, I am a huge nerd, all things uh, B2B advertising. So we are going to talk about, uh, and I have a feeling that this episode might be the most controversial one that I will have done well, I'm probably it's probably the first one I put out because why not start on a bang? We're going to talk about advertising in the age of Elon Musk's Twitter and advertising on Twitter in general. Because something that something I recently bonded over is how slept on Twitter is for a lot of advertisers. So, Silvio, tell us your your awakening story where you came to age in the world of Twitter advertising. Yeah, I'm late to the game. You know, in terms of channels invested, I would say Twitter. I'm like the most junior in terms of dollars invested and i regret not starting sooner because uh so essentially i'm i'm very skeptical uh, by nature i'm kind of like test until proven otherwise is kind of one of my mantras so with twitter i was like okay first thing i always do when i'm considering a channel is i just create a free ad account and i look through the ads manager and i see what are the targeting options available what are the types of ads that they support What's the tracking look like, right? Just kind of get a general lay of the land. So once I realized in Twitter that they have the ability to support custom audiences, they allow you to do lookalike audiences, things like this. So I was like, okay, let me give it a shot and let's just see what, what it costs. As far as, you know, I know a lot of people have an opinion right now because like Elon Musk is taking over Twitter. They're like, oh, should I pull out of Twitter ads? Should I go in? You know, I'm a big believer when everyone, uh, what's the saying? When everybody zigs, you zag. You know, by people leaving Twitter, that creates an opportunity, right? It's going to create a vacuum. Advertisers are pulling out. CPM prices are going to drop even lower. And they're already incredibly low as it is. So I can only imagine as things progress. But yeah, so I knew there was something to be had here, you know, um, and I actually ran an experiment and we can get into it. And it blew my mind. And uh, now I'm definitely on the Twitter ads train. <laughs> So I want to add a little uh, a little background with my my Twitter love. I've been on Twitter since Twitter started. I, I joined Twitter originally. I was like, this is stupid. Like, no one wants to hear my little thoughts. And so I deleted. And then probably like a month or two later, I got back on it because I started a podcast in college when podcasting was a, a newer thing and video casting wasn't even thought of yet. So I got back on Twitter and I used to run campaigns. This was in the time when you could run follower campaigns and get a follower for like five to seven cents. Like it was ridiculously low. And so I would promote like my newsletter, my blog post, because I was just putting out content at that time. And the engagement rates were 
where, you know, 25, 30% click through rates would be in the, like the 20% and your cost per click would still be like sub 10, 15 cents. But I recently in, in 2020, 2019, 2020, 2021, have been running video ads on Twitter for shorter form video. And I have gotten, I had one video. I still think it was a fluke. I will put a screenshot somewhere in here. I had sub penny video completions, sub penny. And what I was running for videos was about infrastructure. It's not a fun, exciting topic or something that's like clickbaity that like the entire public wants to watch. It's about infrastructure and boring parts of infrastructure. Infrastructure is amazing. What are you talking about, Jess? I mean, I listen, love that stuff. Listen, it's, <laughs> it's really loved by a really specific audience. But even, yeah. you know, as much as last year, like running these 30 second videos, getting video completions that are around a quarter a piece, it's un, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous how good performance is. And so many companies don't even think about Twitter. They think that Twitter is like, it's dead, right? You know, Twitter, Twitter being dead is the new Google plus being dead. It took them 10 years to die, but yeah, but you're okay. Tell us about your experiment. Cause your experiment got great results. Yeah. So the, the whole idea behind the experiment was to promote my newsletter and to drive registrations to my newsletter. So my newsletter is comprised of B2B marketers. So that's the ICP that I was going after. And at first, uh, at the time, Twitter had website visits as like their primary objective to drive conversions. They recently rolled out conversions as a new campaign objective. But actually, what I realized was it was already always there. They just made it more visible because when I ran my experiment under website visits, they had different optimization goals underneath. And it was uh, site visits, okay. link clicks, and conversions. And when I went to go check again, when they made the new conversion objective, I was yeah. like, oh, this is awesome. This is a new thing. And then I realized I went back to website visits and the conversion one was no longer there. It's like, oh, okay. It wasn't actually new. They just made it more visible. Yeah. Um, so basically what I did was I tested all three optimization goals, web visits, uh, link clicks, and conversions, driving people to my newsletter. And I was testing meme ads because I know memes work really well on Twitter organically, natively. Yeah. And I wanted to take that same best practice and use it on an ad. And a lot of people forget that. They like, they think you have to put your advertiser hat on and it's like different from your organic content hat on. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. People are people. You take the same best practices of what works on the channel and you just guarantee distribution through your ads. You know? I used to work with a lot of publishers and this was in like the early 2010s of social media. I just, I feel so old as I start talking about the good old days, but I would work with these publishers and they would want to promote their poor performing content so it gets more eyes. Why? Because someone wrote that and they love that content. You know, some poor editors and they're saying, I really thought this was going to be a banger and Facebook hates it. So they'd want to promote this content that wasn't performing well to get more eyes, to like give it a chance to perform. It's like, no, take your top performing organic content. If it's doing well organically, it's going to do even better paid. So why are you trying to... Uh, almost supplement this stuff that shit, take your top performing <laughs> stuff, boost yeah. it to get to a broader reached audience. That's what's going to get you more traction down the road. What, uh, what memes are you using? Did you, did you find any meme genre work the best or yeah, are there so, genres of memes? I don't even know. <laughs> I, I just, honestly, it was total time invested to creating these ads for this initial test was probably 30 minutes. Nice. Yeah, I, I was, it was relatively quick. I think that's another thing too. People tend to overthink. Uh, just 
get it out there, right? Polish it up and just get some data behind it. And to your earlier point about people trying to give poor performing content a chance, I recently heard this saying, and I think it's so true for what we're speaking about, which is you have to kill your darlings. You know, that, that phrase, you have to, you can't yeah. be married to your opinions. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's not about you. It's about the audience, the receiver and what resonates with them. And there's nothing more sad than people who make amazing content. The flip side of that is they make great content and nobody sees it because they haven't built up the organic, the organic yeah. following yet. Right. So they put all this and, and at the end of the day, nothing's free, right? You're either paying with money or time. Yeah. So they put all this time in to create this content. No one sees it. And it's just a shame, right? So with ads, especially on the cost of Twitter ads, you can guarantee that distribution to make sure it gets seen. Yeah. On the, yeah. On the memes, and I can send it to you if you want to put it on the video here. Yeah, pop it up. It oh, was uh, editor. Put the put the memes up. Plug. Uh, it was. I'm uh, the editor, though. But. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you get that note? note to Reminder self? to self. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. It was so it was a skeleton meme, which was like uh, a, like a skeleton laying on a bench, and he's just like dead. And then it was like uh, my ad budget before finding adconversion.com, and that was something that I like intentionally did. Was within every ad, I put adconversion.com. So at least there's some sort of brand recall because this yeah. was a first touch for a cold audience. So it was like my ad budget before adconversion.com. Another one was Gandalf, and he was like looking into the distance. And then at the, at the end of it, it's like trying to scale or trying to learn B2B marketing without adconversion.com. He like looks at the, the screen. Yeah. And then the final one was actually a suggestion from you, which was the Home Alone ad. Yes. Um, and that one Winner. was, that one actually, it, it's, this is also another thing too. Like you need, you need to think, give things time and let things accrue data. The two top ads was the Home Alone ad, number one. And then the second one was actually the skeleton. But at first Gandalf was in the lead. Yeah. But, uh, but eventually started to fall off. So yeah, those were, those were the three ads. They were all kind of funny. They all had the same headline yeah. copy. It was like join 1000 plus B2B marketers in the ad conversion newsletter, get two to three actionable tips. And it was just driving people straight to a landing page where they can opt into the newsletter. When you mention adding adconversion.com into all your memes you're doing, there's this couple that I see on TikTok all the time. And he looks very manly with a big beard. And her name is Layla. And she likes to talk about how they don't cook at home. They only eat out because it's such a small cost compared to their overall income. But they started acquisition.com. Oh, yeah. The Hormozis. Yes, the Hormozis. Thank you. Yeah. I couldn't remember their name. But I remember acquisition.com because they say it all the time. Mm -hmm. And every, every clip of him, he has a hat on that says acquisition.com yep. on it. And every single video clip I see of her, even when she's talking about how they don't cook because they're so rich, she'll start off with like with acquisition.com, my husband and I make enough money and they pitch it in everything. It's in everything. They say it all the time. And so if I'm like thinking of, and now I know their company, I know their brand, I know what they do. And it's because they say it all the freaking time. A hundred percent. But it's you in know, my head. Branding is all about association. And as human beings, we survive by creating connections, right? We're processing so much information that, you know, even on a subconscious level, when I meet somebody or all of us, there's actually a fantastic book I'm reading right now called Connections. And when you meet someone just based on their name, if you know somebody else, you will perceive them at first based on that person that you knew before. So like you're Jess, yes. I know another Jess, I meet you, I'm, I'm automatically connecting my impression with you based on the behavior of somebody else. Yeah. It's just like yes. insane, you know? Um, yeah. There's a really good uh, economic study about babysitters 
And more qualified babysitters from different neighborhoods are less likely to be hired than a babysitter from your own neighborhood, even when they lack qualifications. It's uh, yep. it's one of the many biases we have. And it's why I don't date men named Ken, because I didn't <laughs> have a good experience twice. And so I've quit. I've given up. It's a disqualifier Dang. now. Uh, back all to the, Twitter, all the, though. All the Ken's listening are like... <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. Change your name and then, you know, slide into my DMs with that proof of name change. <laughs> and maybe we'll talk. Maybe. <laughs> um, on the Twitter side, though, so, what, so you're running... Did you run your newsletter on other platforms where you can give us, like, some comparative stats on Twitter performance versus, like, LinkedIn? I mean, when I think B2B marketing, I think LinkedIn. I think we all live on that platform. It's our homepage at this point. Yeah, yeah. I haven't done LinkedIn just primarily for CPC prices. So yeah. ad conversion is kind of my fun side hustle for now. So in terms of ad budget, I'm like, I don't want to go all in yet on uh, on investing. So that's why I'm staying away from LinkedIn. And LinkedIn to yeah. me is kind of like a sure thing. You know what I mean? In the sense of, you know exactly who you're getting in front of. Uh, it, it's really no, it's kind of it's kind of hard to mess LinkedIn up, yeah. you know, as well, far as advertising like you goes. You have such a large brand presence on LinkedIn. And you publish a lot of great posts that you're probably getting a lot of just organic signups from people who are following you on LinkedIn or who see you in their feed because some of their following engages with your content. I mean, I'm pretty sure last time I looked, you had like hundreds of reactions to like most of your posts. It depends you on the post. It depends on the post, you know. You get a lot. But but it does well. Some of them do well. Some of them, you know, it's funny. Always the posts that I think do the, are going to do the best suck. Yeah. And the ones that I don't put energy, any like energy, time yeah. or anything do the best you know so it's like it kind of goes back to like kill your darlings right like, yeah you can't be married to your ideas let people decide and go from there but yeah absolutely so i do a lot of organic posts so that's kind of been the the content strategy side on linkedin for now um, but comparatively i've also ran this through youtube ads i've kind of done a foray oh, on youtube ads okay yeah and uh youtube is actually really really good too that's actually something i really want to lean into in 2023 yeah. And just going into the Twitter side of things for folks, just to kind of recap, we're promoting the newsletter, we're using meme ads, and the goal was to, number one, establish baselines around costs, conversions, CPCs, and the other thing as well was to understand what was the best objective, optimization goal, as Twitter calls it, to drive signups to the newsletter. And uh, after running the test for a month, I was actually kind of shocked. So again, I tested site visits, link clicks, and conversions. And the one that actually beat, um, was a top performer, was site visits. So site visits yielded a 73% lower average CPM compared to link clicks and a 59% lower CPM compared to conversions, which resulted in about a cost per newsletter registration of around like $5.73 for an oh, actual B2B marketer. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. And I was getting yeah. signed up from legit business emails. So about 52% of submissions had a business email. And when I would look at the companies that would come through, I was getting pretty notable companies like Atlassian. I even had people from Twitter sign up. I don't know if yeah. I was, should be excited or worried, but uh, I had people from Twitter sign up, uh, Atlassian. I had people from all different kinds of industries. And the type of targeting that I was using was follower lookalikes, which is extremely broad. I was just doing a lookalike audience based off yeah. like top B2B influencers. Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like a, like over a little over 50% of opt-ins coming from actual business email addresses is a really good conversion rate for any B2B focused company yeah, in the, general. 
And the other thing too is because my newsletter is a pretty long email sequence. It has like over 30 different email sequences dripped out. Oh, wow. And when I wanted to give it some more time to understand the engagement side of things, right? Like are the, what's the quality of engagement of these opt-ins from this traffic source versus something else? Yeah. And it was solid. Like I was seeing a 45% open rate on like email three and four Shit. from the Twitter signups, which is fantastic. And yeah. I even have, uh, I have a book, but I don't really talk about the book too much because I'm actually working on updating it. And, but people find it. So they find it somehow from these people from Twitter and they bought the book too. So it was like also indirect sales. Oh my God. Yeah. Which is great. So you it's, know? it's a highly, highly engaged audience. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't believe it at first. I was like throwing stones at it. I'm like, well, wait, wait a second. Yeah. This can't be, let's see, maybe it's too good to be true, et cetera. And no, it was, and also too, another thing as well is the CPMs were so cheap. And going back to the results of the experiment, I believe that site visits outperformed link clicks, link clicks and conversions just because the CPM was so much cheaper, mm -hmm. not because of the conversion rate of the objective. Yeah. And were you using like an auto bidding for like CPMs? I was using auto bid for all of them. Okay. I mean, my average yeah. CPM, I can pull it up. I think it was like less than $2. <laughs> Shit. Send a it was a dollar fifty one. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like Twitter. Uh, yeah, Twitter is one of my favorite platforms. Um, have you ever run Quora ads? Yes, I have. Do you like? What do you have opinions on Quora ads? Have you tried this for your newsletter? I haven't tried it for the newsletter. It's on my list. Uh, that and Reddit. Yeah. But yeah, I have Reddit terrifies for... me. <laughs> Why? Reddit terrifies me. Like you have a very. Uh, dedicated audience on Reddit who I think love their their subreddits, love their communities. And as a brand coming in, I think it's similar to when you're going into an open source community where you need to have a lot of like res respect and reverence for what's there. Mm -hmm. And I have seen so many, like there's a reason when you advertise on Reddit that they disable comments by default. I've seen so many brands come in and I think do it wrong where they come in with an obvious goal to to monetize and just get like destroyed. And so Reddit scares me. I have not been destroyed on Reddit. I've done some advertising on it. It performed okay. It wasn't like revolutionary. Um, I didn't have a massive budget. It wasn't revolutionary. It wasn't horrible, but I've seen so many brands just get destroyed and I'm terrified because I feel like a lot of those brands had bad, not bad experiences. A lot of the brands that have been on Reddit that have gone in a way that wasn't well received, there was a person with really good intentions behind that. And what if I was that person with good intentions that came in and then all of a sudden the brand is hated on Reddit because I talked about something that was like cringe. Mm. I don't know. What if they don't think it's cool and then I get laughed at by all the Reddit kids? It scares me. One of the things I always recommend to folks that are getting started advertising on new channels is to spend at least a month, ideally, using the platform as a native user. Like that is the best thing you can do. You really need to understand what it's like to be the native user. So you have that, you understand their expectation of what they want to see versus not. And then also too, if you can take it a step further and also understand what it's like to be a creator on that platform, that's going to give you a ton of insight on, because again, going back to the same native best practices organically will resonate uh, via the guaranteed distribution through ads. So 
to mitigate your potential risk of people laughing at you and, and you know, things not working out, I highly recommend if you guys are serious about trying some new channels, like for example, I tried TikTok ads too earlier this year to promote, promote my newsletter. That did really good as well. I ran an experiment. I was like, can you actually reach B2B buyers on TikTok? That, that was like the whole question that I was trying to solve for. I can actually get into that if you want on the how I set that experiment up. Oh, yeah. But the first thing I did before I actually started to run ads on TikTok was I spent a month obsessing on TikTok. It was actually kind of bad. I almost got addicted, which is caveat. Uh, you know, <laughs> anything in excess can be bad. But I was watching YouTube videos and like how to create content on TikTok. Like I was like, if I was going to be a creator on this platform, I actually filmed a couple of TikToks and I put it on there. I understood what is it like to use the layout, the UI. Um, I really got into it. So when I went to actually create an ad, I had all this context in mind, right? Yeah. Which is going to allow you that advantage. Yeah. Let's talk TikTok advertising in a second episode because that's a whole, there's a guy on there that just will flame advertisers who don't customize their thumbnail, who use like the generic like bullhorn and stuff. So, uh, but TikTok, I think is another great, pl essentially, you know, I think the moral is the moral of the story is all these companies will look at the traditional LinkedIn, Facebook. Somebody the other day told me Instagram can't be used for B2B. I was like, you're sadly mistaken. Mm -hmm. Instagram does really well for B2B actually, but they'll look at, I think, LinkedIn and they don't really venture too far outside of it when really the reality is marketers are humans. We're everywhere online. Mm -hmm. We are probably everywhere more than any other demographic you're trying to target is, ICP online is. And go to where your person is. Go to where they're hanging out. Go find them. <laughs> like, yeah. get off LinkedIn. Advertise on other platforms than LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it's, don't hate me for saying that. But <laughs> you know, especially now with the you know the market being down and whatnot, you have to obviously be more efficient in terms of the things that you are doing. But also finding new opportunities is key, right? If you can find additional additional distribution channels to like CPM on Twitter, two dollars, insane. You know what I mean? To get reach. Yeah. And the other thing too with Twitter ads is you can retarget based on impressions, not clicks. Meaning you can build a massive retargeting pool very quickly. Uh, so you can do some really, really cool stuff. Yes. I do resonate as well. Like in my case, Silvio, easy for you to say you're promoting a newsletter and you're going after B2B marketers. Marketers are pretty ubiquitous. Doesn't seem as hard. Although B2B marketers are the caveat here. There are third-party tools you can partner with if you're really uh, audience sensitive in the sense of, you know, I don't want to use lookalikes. You know, the, I won't give any tools, any like plugs here, but like there's a lot of different tools you can use to refine your audience targeting on these channels to try to give you, you know, a more precise target of your, what you're going after. And at the very minimum, they all support contact lists. So you can upload that into the platform. I will give a tool a plug, audience. A-U-D-I-E-N-S-E. They used to be called Social Bro. I've used them. I have been a paying member independently since 2013, which, oh my God, is almost a decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, uh, you got me onto those guys. They're, I was, oh uh, my God. I, that's actually going to be one of my next experiments is seeing the, if there's a dramatic difference in terms of acquisition costs by having a more refined audience and yeah. quality versus keeping it broad and loose. Because one of the things, too, that I think especially B2B marketers miss is that the creative itself can act as a filter Yes. in terms of attracting the right person. 100%. You know, in my ad, it's a follower lookalike. You know, yes, I'm doing that follower lookalike based on B2B creators, but it's not going to be 100% accurate, right? I'm going to get in front of people who are not B2B marketers. 
any targeting has some sort of margin of error in, embedded in it. I don't care about what tool you use. You know what I mean? No targeting is exactly perfect. The other downside too with precise targeting is you have higher CPMs, higher upfront costs. So there could be an argument to be made that if you have a broader audience and you're, you're creative, your ad is very, very specific and it can resonate to a specific person, does the delta, the break in the cost difference actually allow you to scale greater because you have a greater audience size at a lower cost? Can you drive more and, and the same quality? These are all things worth testing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. I think I'm going to take a little anti-ABM stance real quick. I love ABM. I think ABM has a great place in many areas. I've done ABM since before it was called ABM. But I think we get so stuck in our list sometimes in our target account list and exactly who we want to speak to that we forget that there is a whole world out there of people who might be really happy to buy your product and have the same quality and the same LTV and all this and that as your target account list. And ultimately your offer, your ad content, your copy, your funnel should be pulling the right people in to convert. It's also not horrible to have a lot of people who are engaging with you. Maybe not a lot. It's not the end of the world to have a part of your top of funnel be people that are never going to buy from you. If you have students, for example, if you have students coming in and signing up for your newsletter list, they may never like purchase your product if your product is for the enterprise. But if there's an entire, I was, this happened in the security space. If you have an entire genre, an entire genre, entire generation of students who think of your company for security, in five years, your company is top of mind for them for security because they followed your content the whole time. That's right. Like if you're getting leads in and 20% of them aren't qualified yet, who cares? Engage them, keep them going. They're going to help spread your name. You know, if you can become a household name, like that gives you that and brand awareness will take you really, really far. The Fortune 100 companies are masters at this. Yeah. They, I mean, I'm thinking about co companies like Colgate and Crest, uh, which I think they're owned by Procter & Gamble. I could be wrong. Yeah, but... uh, Procter & Gamble owns the world Tide Pods. Yeah. You know? and, I what mean, kids knew about Tide Pods before the Tide Challenge? You know, the Tide Pod Challenge. Okay, they're... we're going to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> but and, I mean, these, yeah. these companies, you want to talk about like building a household name and, and creating yeah. that brand recall? They're putting, they're investing dollars on getting Colgate toothbrushes in kindergartens, you know yep. what I mean? From when kids are super young. Yeah. So they already grow up with knowing the Colgate brand. So by the yeah. time that they're, you know, much later on in life, Colgate is just like associated going back to connections with toothbrush. Yeah. Scotch yeah. tape, Kleenex. You don't have to use those brands. I know so much about Velveeta. I've never, I've ate Velveeta once in my life and it was, it was disgusting. Like no. Oh my God, Silvio. How I'm, I'm envious that you've lived your life without knowledge of Alveda. It's a block of fake cheese. Oh, no, I didn't and know And so that. you like melt it on shit, but you can cook with it. And it's like a big thing for like quick cooking. Okay. And I've learned so much about Velveeta. I'll, I'll, I don't use the product at all, but if I, if I have a Velveeta stick, I know what to do with it. I know how to make a hot dish with it. You know, mm -hmm. that might not be the best example of Alveda's, you know, not use case stuff <laughs> with it but yeah agree well okay wrapping it up what uh order rank real quick what are your favorite ad channels oh my god i can't answer this it's too hard. <laughs> this is too hard <laughs> i hate to say it depends <laughs> but it does i will say i'm gonna take your question i'm gonna transform it a little bit i will say that the, the ad the channels that i'm taking more serious and that i'm going to be investing more in for ad conversion specifically 
going into 2023 is going to be Twitter. Absolutely. I'm going to be really doing some exciting things on Twitter, especially with video, because to the point that you illustrated, it's ridiculously cheap. Yeah. And then you can build some amazing retargeting pools on, on Twitter and do some really cool stuff. YouTube ads. I think there's a huge opportunity with YouTube ads. There's always has been, but even now more so because YouTube rolled out the ability to advertise on shorts. So you can yes. run YouTube short ads. YouTube shorts. Also, I've, uh, I'll share the stat somewhere. Uh, growing insane. They're pushing YouTube shorts so aggressively right now. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah I'm really excited. Um, I actually have some shorts lined up for my YouTube channel to, to try to drive growth more so. Yeah. Um, and then finally, LinkedIn, because it's tried and true and you can leverage LinkedIn when in doubt to push high quality traffic to your site. If you have the pixels installed across all these, how did you say it? Uh, developing channels, <laughs> you can retarget yeah. that traffic and, and get in front of those people that yeah. you know with confidence are the right people across these different platforms for a fraction of the cost. Awesome. Well, if anyone is interested in learning more, I will put a link in the, the notes, wherever this is, to Silvio's site and newsletter. Definitely sign up. It's value packed. I think I'm a member, I've been a member for a long time, but I feel like every email I get from you has like tangible, actionable things that I can take and do. And it's just super, super high value newsletter. So definitely encourage everyone to sign up, you know, share this and we'll, you have to come back now, talk TikTok advertising. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you for having me. <laughs>